Welcome to the second season of One Word Check-In, the podcast for those who tend to check out when life becomes too much. When we live our lives checked out, we run on autopilot and often miss the richness life has to offer. We can become disconnected from our relationships and ourselves. No matter how busy we are, it's important to periodically pause and check in, not only with ourselves, but with others. That's how we stay connected to the present moment. And that's how we stay connected to God, because that's where God is, right here, right now. The one word check-in is a practice that summarizes feelings in one word. We check in with ourselves and name our well-being for the day, week, or season of life. I'm Pastor Christy and I'm glad you're here in this moment. I invite you to check in and think of one word that describes what you're feeling right now. Sometimes it's difficult to limit to one word, I know. So hyphenated words and phrases are okay. Are you ready? It's time to check in. What's your word for today? I will now share a short reflection centered on one word that can be used in meditation and self-reflection throughout your week. The word is taken from scripture in which I will read before the reflection. I invite you to listen to the scripture for the word, phrase, or image that draws your attention. Now this podcast coincides with Exploring Scripture, a community that practices Lexia Divina together. If you'd like more info about Exploring Scripture, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, foothillsumc.org. Get comfortable and open yourself to the word that God has for you today. This week's scripture is Matthew 5. 21 through 37, continuing with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching and we pick up in which he says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. 
You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, if you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. We pick up immediately after the passage last week where Jesus uses two images, salt and light, to describe the essence and purpose of Jesus' followers. Now this is still in the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus abruptly shifts from nice images of salt and light to images of murderers, adulterers, and liars. It certainly seems abrupt to us at first, but after exploring it, hopefully we can understand what Jesus was trying to accomplish. Understanding the underlying theme of the Sermon on the Mount helps. As we explored the context last week, We can build on our understanding by remembering that a crowd gathered to hear Jesus speak. He went to an elevated place so that they could hear and see him as he taught about his kingdom that is built on love and mutual care. To be a part of this kingdom, we are to continue walking with God even when life is difficult. We don't lose our saltiness or essence of who we are as followers, or hide our light, the purpose for which we are called. Even in those difficult times, and even in the times when we are overcome by the world's temptations, which is today's passage, I think it helps to see the larger context to understand how Jesus weaves it all together. The extreme topics of murder, adultery, divorce, and oath-swearing seem abrupt to us. By the way, there are just four. These are just four of the topics. Jesus continues the sermon for two more chapters 
So he covers a lot more life situations than these four. But when looking at these four, it may seem obvious that Jesus is teaching what not to do to be part of the kingdom. Certainly there is truth to that, but I think Jesus is a better preacher than that. What drew my attention was the phrase, but I say to you, in which Jesus repeats in verse 22, 28, 32, and 34. This phrase responds to the, re- the repeated phrase, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times or variations of that phrase. In verse 21, 27, 31, and 33. Now this section is called an antithesis because it seems to contrast the law. Jesus reminded listeners of a law from ancient times, but then alters it for the present and future. Now this did not sit well with the scribes and Pharisees because no one was to alter the Torah. I mean, which is why Jesus went to great lengths to explain that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Or as Eugene Peterson imagined Jesus to say, I'm not here to destroy, but to complete. Jesus was not creating a new religion. He was using their religion and making it relevant for their time. They were no longer living in the time of Moses, so they needed to understand their laws on a more current level, just as we do. Jesus was interpreting the law beyond the minimum standard. For example, many may feel it is easy to follow do not murder, but many of us deal with the very real and present anger that can cause one to murder. This technique of antithesis was a common technique that rabbis used during this time to teach scriptural interpretation. Anyone who had studied under a rabbi would not have given it a second thought. In fact, it's a subtle technique that probably gave Jesus authority as a rabbi, as someone to listen to. Jesus also knew his audience, so he started with something he knew they understood and then gave it a deeper meaning. The way he taught was not so different than some had been taught. It was the message that was different. What Jesus was saying to them would certainly challenge their understanding of the law and convict their way of living. As followers and participants of the kingdom, they would have to grow into a deeper faith than following the bare minimum. Most people can refrain from murder and adultery, but committing harm by holding on to anger or allowing lust to remain in our hearts can do just as much damage. Refraining from harm and actively working for good are two different ways of living, in which Jesus teaches the latter is the better way, 
his way. This way of living will transform us into kingdom people. Thank you for listening to One Word Check-In. Share it with your friends if you found it meaningful. May God's grace and peace surround you this day.